everybody. Cable Smith alongside Chisholm Cook welcoming you to episode 17 of Justified Pursuit. I'm certainly happy to be here. We've got a few things to talk about today, Chisholm. Maybe more things to talk about that, uh, than at any point than, you know, since this show's existed. I, I Really? Like, it's been pretty quiet across the country from <laughs> what I've seen. CEO Chisholm delivering jokes today. That's a that's a first. Look at that. I love it. Hey, I've got my subtle way of humor. <laughs> I certainly laugh at myself sometimes listening back. I'm not as uh, <clears throat> direct with my humor as you. Yeah, Deliberate, well, I, guess I should say I'm I'm not uh, new to self-deprecating humor. I've been able to make fun of myself my entire life, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. Because if you take yourself too seriously, then I don't know. You're kind of a an ass hat. It's a good word. Um, quick funny story. <laughs> Chisholm's boss, thinking right now in his head: Is he like, do I take myself too seriously? <laughs> is he talking? No, I to know me? I take my too, myself too seriously. <laughs> it's something I work on all the time, actually. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I my uh, I can't remember what it was, but I, I remember uh, there was something. I had I had to go somewhere one time because my I really like my, I was basically asked that I had to be at this thing and it took me away from something else and my wife just jokingly referred to my boss as an asshat and he and I had a good enough relationship that I told him that and uh, man that was five years ago and he still jokes about it. <laughs> That's awesome. She's on point. Uh, I'm not saying your boss is an asshat, by the way. He's not my boss anymore, but yeah. Oh, well, maybe he is. He's retired. Uh, Anyway, hey, I, I would like to throw in a little uh, story here. I was down in, well, kind of your part of the world, not too far from your your family's deer camp. Uh, and I know you love whitetail management as much as anybody. And this ranch I was at, it was the um, El Cazador Tecamati, where they used to film that, that show, Bucks of Tecamati. Dude, these deer that I was watching, I mean, ugh, Chisholm they're carrying these deer to like nine and a half, ten and a half years old, uh, ended up shooting my, the biggest buck that I've ever shot the free range. Um, which that was just like a management buck that the family had no interest in shooting. But to me, it was like the trophy of a lifetime. Um, but God, they grow big deer in that part of the world. But, yeah. Yeah. And, um, man, I'd really, like I said, like to get down there sometime and, and talk to uh, the gentleman that you get to spend a lot of time with about, management and, and in particular um you know we clearly have the genetics um I, I have this theory from what i've learned a, a little bit about what's called epigenetics which is like uh basically how genetics is not uh hard and fast the health mm -hmm. of basically the mother at the time that a, a fetus is developing and this is i think universal across at least mammals will basically trigger the, uh, you know, can, can change the potential, uh, I guess, genetics. So, you know, in deer, basically, like if, if the mother is really, really stressed uh, due to climate issues, uh, you know, just the quality of, of the range and, and food and habitat, then that signals to the developing fawn, basically, that it doesn't need to grow too big or grow too big antlers because uh, it'll be better off for survival purposes if it's smaller, smaller antlers, et cetera. 
Um, and my, my kind of theory there is, and I think it's borne out by some of what you see with ranches that don't ever brought, they never bring in genetics. They just work on their herd mm-hmm. is that as you continue to provide, you know, more than adequate supplemental feed, et cetera, you know, basically just pouring the protein to them. Hater Asparagus. We live in Texas. That's what we do. We're sorry. Right. Um, that, we like, know, big, we like big, big bucks, yeah. big bass and big boobs. And we cannot lie. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that like basically generation after generation, as each generation is healthier than the generation before, that means their top end potential goes up. Right. Is this kind of like what, um, this is terrible to say, but it's, it sounds basically like what Hitler was trying to do in, in, you know, applying it towards the human race. Wow. Zing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stumped. I have nothing. <laughs> I mean, that was his goal is to basically call out anything he perceived as inferior. And of course there was no validity to it, but I mean, that's, basically was his school of thought yeah um my guess is we don't have many listeners that would uh take great issue with deer quality deer management uh and the idea that we could take a deer that's considered inferior to you know take it out of the herd both to you know improve herd quality but also to eat (laughs) but um i kind of see where you're going with that you don't want to touch that. Okay. Well, I really don't want to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, Mostly it didn't, it didn't come from a place of validating Hitler. It came from a man just like. No, no, no. I know you're not doing that. It's more like uh, challenging <laughs> what I'm, what we're working on, um, which I know you weren't doing. Right. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's get into. What I was actually going to say is I think that's why God made us, uh, gave us dominion over the earth uh, and all the. Animals of the land, the birds of the sea, the fish of the sky. So, yeah, yeah. we are trying to make the deer healthier. Well, and we're healthier. also the only species that can just abort a fetus whenever we feel like it. So, there's that too. Yeah, which white-tailed deer cannot do. All right, I know not all of our listeners are hunters. Uh, so, anyway, Chisholm and I are. are uh, that's kind of where this this podcast originated. Was on a mountain in New Mexico chasing elk, and um, you know we. We, we came up with that term, actually Chisholm did. So this is a justified pursuit. And we think that all the things that we're talking about, not so much justifying Hitler uh, and his um, Holocaust, but the topics that we discover or that we discuss, trying to discover truth are all, in our opinion, justified pursuits. And man, we've got a long list today. Um, I, I, I got to just start with this one because I, I literally just saw this. And dude, my my blood <laughs> boiling. It's I'm I'm infuriated, and it is a, a headline from ABC News saying that we need to have a cleansing of the Trump movement. And to me, I I, I just am I am I confused? Was there a Trump movement, or was it just conservatives voting conservatively? Like it wasn't a movement. BLM is a movement which we both think is is justified. That's a justified pursuit. Comes from a good place. The delivery was horribly off base with the looting and rioting, but uh, I don't understand. They just labeled 70, what, 4 million Americans as needing to be cleansed. And to me, that's very scary because it puts a bullseye on your back as someone that they think needs a cleansing. 
that kind of sounds like Hitler to me. Like, what are they really saying? They're 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 saying that if you voted Republican, we need to be cleansed of you. And this is on ABC. I saw it yesterday, man, and um, where I saw it, the commenter pointed out this is uh, this is the terminology of genocide. I'm sure that the <laughs> I think it's the producer that, that that said it right. Was it a tweet or was it on the actual air? What? Uh, I, the headline I read was, and just all I had to Google was ABC, and then the next thing that came up was Trump movement cleansing. So, um. Yeah. Yeah, I um you know, it's scary, we've, man. We've we've heard of lists that need to be made. We've now 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 we're hearing, you know, charges of cleansing. It's um it is scary. Um my heart uh and head tell me that that nonsense won't go anywhere and um come January 20th or 21st or whatever day inauguration day is that all these psychotic leftists will you know back down chill out cool off um you know to the blm slash antifa you know protests riot looting etc that all seems to have kind of dried up just since the election um i don't i don't think that they've achieved what they sought if what we if we believe what they claim they sought uh, although some of these cities are defunding the police so maybe they did um seems like what they maybe were just seeking was uh to affect the election um hey, turn though, your mic up even, just a, a little bit even though these movements there you uh, go even though these movements technically started uh during the prior administration anyway um it's bad man there's just not really any doubt about it um and it's not surprising. And I do think I was listening to Glenn Beck and, and he likes to make this point that um, when, it, when it comes to all this, he just he believes what he's told by his adversaries. Um, if they say they want a cleansing, they want a cleansing. And that person probably knows the context of that word. Um, if AOC says she wants lists, she probably wants lists. And mm -hmm. I think anybody. Um, who feels odd uh, or concern over that concept is probably right in their feeling. And we can all sort of see where that could lead. The list leads to the cleansing, right? Um, you know, if you say you want a Marxist revolution, uh, I believe you. And uh, we can see the, um, the attempts at that uh, over the course of the summer. Um, yeah, I do think let's 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 get the elephant in the room out of the way right away. Um, we don't support the jackasses that stormed the Capitol building Wednesday. Um, we have since day one of this podcast supported. I, I'm going to tell you, I've had to walk that back a little bit. I've thought about it a lot more and I, I, I don't agree with what they did. I understand the frustration. Right, um, much like we understood I, but, the frustration this summer. Yeah, um, but at the same time, these people are, man, it's like you've backed the conservatives, and, and this cleansing thing is just the latest uh, terminology, the, the latest headline, um, but I think conservatives feel cornered, like, 
their backs are against the wall. They have sat there and been shit on, been called racist and, and perceived made out to be things that, that they aren't for so long now, especially over the last year that this is, the, you know, I think for a lot of them, that was the breaking point. Well, I, I, I think we're going to have a somewhat detailed and, and nuanced discussion about this. I do want to caveat it all first by saying uh, I don't support destruction of property, um, you know, fear tactics, uh, violence, you know, period. Um, violence, in my opinion, is only appropriate, I think, as we touched on last time, as my Marine buddy would say, when you are met with violence. Um, but so, so that all being said, it's also it was just it was just tactically and strategically a terrible idea because look at what we've been inundated with since. Yeah. They well, made we lowered yeah. ourselves to the, that's right, the exactly. Level that we've been that we've been that's right. Every reasonable conservative, even some less reasonable conservatives, all summer were saying we don't deny your claims holy i mean well at least no, we've done pro reparation podcast that's right. that's right but you know not even just us right we would across the spectrum you've heard people support that movement as you said not the org but the movement mm -hmm. support the protest we saw in cities like houston officers and people of all color marching in solidarity about what had happened uh, with floyd in particular uh-huh and I have said and will say till the day that I die, I support the freedom of assembly and speech, speech and assembly, unequivocally, period, regardless, even if I don't support the underlying cause, which in this case, we both do. We did. Right. Yeah. Equality and the end of racism and racial injustice is, is important. Um, we can get into all sorts of statistics about, you know, the, 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 the reality of some of the basis for all this, but we're not going to do that. We supported what those people were doing, but we always condemned the violent destructive elements. Yep. And therefore we have to, in my opinion, for consistency's sake, as conservatives call our own fouls when they come from quote, our side. Um, so, so there's my sort of moral ethical position on it. And then again, I also have this strategic view of it. I understand those people were frustrated. I commiserate and empathize with it. But, you know, storming the Capitol didn't change a damn thing. And some of the people I've heard, including Dan Crenshaw, pointed out promising that these that this that that, that, that was even possible. That was a cataclysmic error. Oh, dude, we showed time. our hand like if it ever came to nut cutting time. You don't think that Biden's capital security is like, and I'm not saying we need to storm the Capitol ever again, I, but we have a Second Amendment, and it's to protect ourselves from tyranny. But it, it was definitely where you're going with it, a strategic just nightmare. Well, I'm not saying. I, to me, um, I'll always, when it, <laughs> uh, on basically any of these fronts, I think our legendary flag that was flown over the Alamo and over, I guess, over the Battle of Gonzales. Uh, 
Wait, where, where, yeah, Gonzalez. The, the come and take it flag? Yes, Gonzalez. Uh-huh. Not, we're going to take it to you, but you come and take it, right? That's That kind of sums up really what I'm getting at, right? We, we don't take violence to them, but we'll meet violence with violence if we're talking, you know, as necessary, right? So, you know, I saw a stat that um, Ben Shapiro tweeted out that 45, in a recent poll, 45% of Americans support the uh, assault on the Capitol. I mean, oh, no, Americans, I'm sorry, Republicans, conservatives. I was going to say, that's okay, that makes sense. Not, not Americans. I guess. Guess more sense. so one and out. I mean, one to your and, point, they're, one they're, and two. Yeah, I mean, we're I, I we're, know, we're pretty I, divided again, right now as conservatives. It's, it's what it's, it tells me. I want to be able to maintain the moral high ground. I understand the point that at some point a stand is necessary if you don't want to continue to cede ground. I get that. Yeah, but um, that wasn't it. it. That was not. That wasn't the stand. Anything, dude. Yeah. It just it just fueled the long-standing narrative that anybody who supports Trump is a crazy-ass right-wing extremist, blah, blah, blah. And it gave them fuel for that fire. And I've seen the pictures and videos. You've seen the pictures and videos. Anybody who's being fair knows that what we saw was goofballs in Viking hats walking through the rotundas, staying inside the damn velvet ropes, and then taking silly selfies on the house floor and the for Instagram, there was actually relatively minimal violence and destruction, certainly in compared to the things that occurred on Michigan Avenue in Chicago and in downtown Minneapolis on the night of May 26th or whatever it was. And in Portland, Oregon for a hundred damn days, like the, the two from that perspective were unequivocal. I will say that all of these people that, that want to say that, that well, riots and looting have happened forever. This was singular and unique. It wasn't to me. It wasn't Personally. in fact, dude. I there were thankfully and almost shockingly m- numerous articles published yesterday. Um, I remember one from Time in particular. Several outlets, Washington Post, I think, put one out about five times in just the last two hundred years that our Capitol building has been, um, you know, invaded bombed multiple times bombed uh there was there have been assassination attempts there was like five uh, uh puerto, puerto rican national militants or something that came in and and shot from the balcony uh down the, on the 51st on state right <laughs> yeah. um you know it uh, I, I want everybody to remember that in 1971, less than 10 years before I was born, a group called Weather Underground planted a bomb in the United States Senate, blew it up. Nobody was hurt. But that that and many, many other bombings across the country were plotted and coordinated in part by a man named Bill Ayers, one of the founders of that organization. And if you fast forward a little over 30 years, that man hosted the first political fundraiser for Barack Obama at his house in Chicago. And I have an article I'll put in our show notes where a whole bunch of academics supported what he did. And in his own memoir published decades later, his statement was we didn't do enough. So he was an unrepentant domestic terrorist who helped kick off the political career of a future president. Mm. Um, 
Nobody cares today. Thick as thieves. But that wasn't yep. that long ago. So yeah. That, but but again, it, it just it was dumb. It looked dumb. It the cost so five and like five people have died. It uh, is to me several hundred thousand people peacefully assembling in on the Capitol Mall and not storming into the Capitol was powerful. But as soon as they stormed into the Capitol, they erased all the goodwill that could have come from that. Yeah, I always look at what Martin Luther King Jr. He's like the, he is the best role model as far as peaceful assembly and, and, and actually getting results through peaceful protesting. And if he wouldn't approve it, then you probably can say, uh, that's not really the right way to go about it. Right. It's not. Again, it didn't achieve anything, man. I, I posted uh, this this quote from Mike Pence on Instagram. Uh, it said, basically, what you know, supporting what we've said here, but he did use the words violence never achieves anything. And then, I mean, dude hundreds of comments are you kidding me violence is what won this country its freedom and that's true you know violence wins but not like that that's that i don't think pence was referring to i think people interpreted that comment way off base well Uh, dude but again he was referring to this instance and and basically taking a shot at what we've seen over the last 10 months like what you know all of it was pointless the violence has no place it's the same defense being argued from the left about what was going down this summer. And again, you know, people like to point to, you know, the original Boston Tea Party, right? Yeah. This was not a free country then. It is a free democratic republic now, right? And, and you can say, well, our election was stolen from us. But the unfortunate thing is nobody's been able to prove that in a single court of law, even in front of, of very sympathetic judges, some of which were appointed by the president himself. Mm-hmm. I have dove in uh, recently to those cases, tried to find where, like, literally, I mean, if, if you've heard, there, you know, the, the counter to all this, even from the right, is there, there's been no evidence. There's been no evidence submitted. There have been claims and allegations, and then in several instances, one in Pennsylvania in particular, Rudy Giuliani in court said, we're not here to assert a fraud claim. I don't remember what the actual basis was, procedural or something like that, but uh, the the reality is what they did have for evidence in some instances was like affidavits of allegations of oddities, right? And we all certainly saw circumstantial evidence like, you know, big swings in the vote and things like that, but no one has produced what is would be considered admissible evidence in court of fraud or wrongdoing. I stand by and believe that we will see a court case taken at the Supreme Court level. I stand by the idea that every state that bypassed its legislation mm-hmm. to allow for voting methodologies uh, and vote collection methodologies that were not legal in those states, that's challengeable. But, you know, and so there's a nuance between, quote, fraud and, and that. And, and I think that's worth being frustrated about. And I think it's worth pursuing. And I think people are going to. But it, if there was so much fraud, if the Kraken existed, it hasn't been produced. 
Right. What do we you think about? We, we know we all know the oddities, but that's you know you, you can't just make allegations. You have to bring forth the evidence, right? And to that end, I've become pretty, I've become pretty empathetic or or, or you know sympathetic to the argument that what we heard was a lot of bluster designed to gin up exactly the kind of emotion that we saw on Wednesday, and then nothing was delivered. Um, so, well, I, I mean, you said, you said that there is a difference between fraud and, and secretaries of state basically bypassing their own constitutions for vote collection, so on and so forth. I mean, I, I certainly believe that happened. There's no doubt. We both know that that happened. And, well, you know that and it, it, and it, you know all it did was because. Because every single person who's countered that it, you know, that, that have argued against it, they use the term, you know, evidence of quote widespread fraud, enough to overturn the election, right? Like that, some fraud happens. Some fraud certainly always happens. I don't like the term widespread. I think it's it's a weaselly legalese word for you know that that's entirely too subjective, <clears throat> um, used to just dismiss the entire thing. But it, but again they weren't able to produce evidence demonstrating that enough fraud in any one of these states occurred to make, you know, to out, uh, influence, the, influence the outcome. And that's, yeah. you know, you can trust or, you know, distrust that all you want. Um, I'm starting to become more and more conspiracy, cons conspiracy minded all the time, but I, I also have a hard time imagining that, 70 80 90 90 judges across the country all were in cahoots with republican senators and republican uh attorney generals in the case of uh you know georgia in particular um you know the, the supreme court three justices of which were appointed by the president himself like it, at some point i think we have to be willing to take our loss and be prepared to fight the inevitable you know, progressive nonsense that will come from this government, but it's not the first time that we've, that, that, that either side has lost the entire government. And, it, and, and in every instance, the, the losing side feels like it's the end of the world. And what always ends up happening is that it shifts back. We have, well, two years. I think we're closer to that than we ever have been, to be honest with you. I mean, as far as the, the yeah, battle, but I think the people you and I have talked off the air about good and evil, and the the evil yeah. is fucking winning, dude. Well, They're winning. I think I think as believers, we have to also believe that it can't. Is it weird to say as believers after I just dropped an f bomb? Um, dude, I always I go back to that, but I'm working on it, people. It's yeah. it's a slow process. I, I I've been told that the clergy uh, of of multiple. <laughs> Multiple denominations and specifically of the uh, National Cathedral in D.C. drop F-bombs all the time. And, you know, they ask forgiveness for it, I guess. But whatever. Back to the point. Hell, I lost the point. Go ahead. What do you think about what we've seen from President-elect Biden? What we've seen from, you know, someone who's always in my crosshairs, LeBron James, other professional athletes, Doc Rivers, coach of the uh, 76ers, um, and then every news outlet other than Fox News coming out and saying if they were black people that march, marched on the Capitol, it, it would have been a different outcome. My thought is one person got killed in one 
we can call it a riot. We can call it whatever we want. Uh, there were like statistically speaking in all these other cities, there wasn't a person being killed every time. And to say that these people weren't met with deadly force, I don't think is accurate at all. The lady got no, shot in the silly, neck. It, she got it, shot in the neck and it, died like right, like pronounced dead at the hospital, 30 something years old. And she was a veteran. And that doesn't give her any, uh, you know, it's a damn fallacy. Every city across the country that in particular let these things drag on and on night after night, they, the police were told to stand down and they did, uh, you know, we saw pictures of a guy with his face in a broken window and he had three pistols pointed at him. Um, oddly, the security holding those three pistols were inside either the house or Senate chamber with a huge piece of furniture in front of the door. And then the next photos you see are goofballs sitting in those very chambers. Really like to know what went down there. Speaking of conspiracies, but whatever. Um, it's just not true, man. I saw a video of prote of, of people who were like four foot behind a police barricade getting sprayed in the face with mace. Um, as you pointed out, yep. Somebody got shot. Uh, apparently three other people were killed outside of the actual Capitol building itself. The only one we hear about is the one inside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, leftist mayors across the country had their, their police stand down. Uh, and then now to, as we speak, prosecutors are re still refusing to move forward with prosecution on arson, burglary, you know, looting, you know, assault, you name it. Right. Uh, they, there was dude, Anybody who tries to pretend like what happened this summer, it's, it's, it's Orwellian rewriting of history, you know, as grand as we've ever seen to pretend like the majority of what occurred this summer was allowed with impunity. It was. That's why it continued and continued 100%. and continued 100%. and continued for a hundred days. So yeah, it's, it's just narrative building, man. Um, and again, it's the reason why the idiots who did that, um, even if it was started by Antifa and it was idiots who just followed Antifa in, they lost their shit and, um, you know, they made conservatives look bad and they fed the narrative. Yeah. Well, of course, the... it doesn't really change anything because everybody who knows what, you know, the, the media narrative is all about, um, sees it and everybody who is asleep is, you know, this is just another dose of Ambien for them. <laughs> Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It's just it. It's it was the irony wasn't lost on me to watch all these people coming out and saying, "Oh wait, now white people are doing it. Now it's dude condemnable." Wait, what? I'm sorry. That itself is a fallacy. I watched a video of a British guy who walked around in there with protesters. The video, by the way, is hilarious because he's narrating. You know, there's moments where he's like standing there with people milling about milling about dude milling about like walking through the rotunda again staying inside the velvet ropes and, mm -hmm. and you know and he's standing there talking about what's going on and interviewing people right but then at the same time there's he's narrating over certain scenes and the chaos and destruction that he's describing is nowhere present there's only like two or three moments where some windows are being broken again dumb terrible bad um uh they broke you know nancy pelosi's door sign in half dumb terrible bad it's you know that is that is um you know destruction of property it's vandalism yeah. and they should be charged for it but 
what well, my yeah, point but here's was. the my thing. Point was, my point was, I saw black people and brown people in that crowd. It wasn't all just white people. One of the guys he interviewed looked, you know, Hispanic. Yeah, dude, wasn't white guy. You know, so at one level though, they kind of, they kind of, they asked for, they asked for it because they didn't. None of these people who looted and rioted and committed acts of violence over the last ten months, all of them got away scot free. So why would these people outside of the Capitol think anything different would happen to them? It's like, oh, well, they're not going to charge us for anything. It's it's fine to do this, act this way, behave like animals. Again, man, that's why I, I, I do believe that, generally speaking, American conservatives are supposed to be people of principle. And just because they got away with it doesn't mean that we should follow suit. And, oh, and, and again, and the reality is, by and large, we didn't. They didn't. There were hundreds of thousands of people gathered in D.C. for this. And it, the most I've seen was a vague term, hundreds, which I would interpret as more likely from the photographs I've seen, a hundred to a couple hundred, not like 999. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the highest estimate I've seen was, quote, hundreds out of what I have to assume was hundreds of thousands based on some of the aerial footage. Oh yeah. My cousin flew there from, from Austin to be a part of that. He did not go into the Capitol. Um, but yeah, he was there. And right. So, so much like most of the protests this summer, a few, you know, idiots, you know, are, are now, they're now the representation by the other side of, of the entire protest, the entire rally, the entire cause. Um, and frankly, it sucks for the people who marched earnestly this summer and didn't tear things up and burn them and destroy them. And it sucks for the people who went to DC to, you know, show their frustration and protest, but you know, with dignity, uh, it sucks for all of them. It sucks for everyone on moment. both sides who didn't participate in, in any protest whatsoever because on, on either side of the fence, it made your side look pathetic. Right. To anyone who's with it. I mean, uh, you know, the welcome mob obviously uh, is excluded from that on both sides. Um, what do you think? Should we, should we move on to the Georgia elections, Senate uh, elections? Now, let me let me let me just sort of pontificate here for a minute. So, uh, what has what has frustrated me the most since Wednesday is watching the blatant hypocrisy. It's hilarious that both sides are claiming double standard, right? The left is claiming that there's a double standard on about on account of that they think that if it had been black people, they had been they would have been shot and killed, even though all summer long proves there wasn't. And oh, by the way. I found an article yesterday that in 1970, the California legislature banned the open carry of firearms, open carry, or maybe just carry of firearms, I think open carry of firearms. And a Black Panther group stormed the uh, California State Assembly armed with long rifles and nobody got killed. Um, So... There's a perfect example in the last 50 years from a time when things were much more contentious and a, particularly a group that was much more militant. 
Yeah. And, you know, so that's a fallacy, but, you know, at the, at the same time, you know, in the other direction there, you know, there's this charge that there's, you know, a double standard. And, and I think this one sticks that, you know, all summer we watched democratic politicians at basically every level from local to the federal uh, defending, dismissing, either dismissing, turning a blind eye to, or in some most egregious instances, actually defending the violence that was being perpetrated for that cause. And that was just, and I had, I told you, you know, that before we jumped on this call, I was having a, uh, a healthy and, and, you know, relatively civil debate with what is clearly a devout leftist um, online about this. And, and, you know, what we're seeing floods of is this claim that what happened Wednesday isn't even comparable to what happened this summer and that it's a false equivalency to, you know, to say, where were you when they were burning stuff to the ground this summer? And, and I'll concede that the two scenarios are different. I will, I refuse to concede that any one is definitively worse than the other. I would, where was the, uh, where was the city of Chad? Uh, was that, wasn't that Seattle? Seattle. Yeah. Seattle slash Chaz, Chaz, my bad. So Seattle, they take over the city council, city hall for like a month. And that's a government building last time I checked. Yeah. So what's the, they, what's the dude, freaking difference, they assault, man? They, dude, again, it's once the capital, once, just, well, once the city hall of the, the biggest city in the Pacific Northwest, it's no, it's really not no different to me. It's, it's a government building. You either have a problem with it or you happen. don't. Right. They're, they're just pretending that it didn't happen or, and this is what I was seeing online today beyond just pretending that it didn't happen, which I think most of them are trying to do. And obviously the media shielded most of that news from us. But I'm, what I'm seeing is people saying that the cause this summer was so just and righteous that the destruction of private property is warranted. And I've, again, I had this particular individual arguing that the stance I take that violence from either extremist side is wrong uh, means that I wouldn't have supported the Boston Tea Party. I would have stood with the, with the crown against the American Revolution. It's nonsense. We have a democratic republic now because of that revolution, uh-huh. right? So what was going on this summer was, you know, violence aimed at overthrowing it. What was going on on Wednesday was, here's what I'll say. I don't like any of it. I'm not going to rate one worse than the other, but I'm never going to concede that, that I'm, I'm also not going to concede that one was worse than the other. Violence, destruction, intimidation like that is bad, period, end of story. But I, I, I would like people to think about the fact that in one instance, the most recent, you had a group of people frustrated because they believe that an election was stolen from stolen from them, taking their frustration out on a government building, to your point. In the other, you had a group of people frustrated with the government and armed branches of the government, in particular, you know, policing and criminal justice, taking it out on innocent citizens and their property and livelihoods. So to me, when, when you put it that way. Perhaps there is a moral moral difference, yeah. But but I won't go there. 
because I'm not going to grant what happened on Wednesday any leniency. I don't think I can if I want to be consistent and you know be able to look myself in the mirror on this thing. But what you are hearing when you make that claim, which I did, or that point, is this summer's cause was righteous. Property destruction in the name of a righteous cause is perfectly acceptable, acceptable because these minority groups have been met with violence by the police for so long, and that violence has been allowed with impunity that they're now fighting violence with violence. Um, again, they're taking that violence to people who had nothing to do with it. I made that point, and what I got back was those people were complicit because they hadn't done anything about it yet. And that sort of ideology is really what we're dealing with, dude. This oh, person yeah. actually argued with me that not only was that violence justified because of this perceived uh, aggrievement, but specifically the fact that it occurred against in what you know certainly appeared to be innocent shop owners and, and business owners, the fact that they had allowed the political system at play to stay where you know to stay status quo means that sorry for you, bro. To which, again, I would point out everywhere that happened was a leftist democratic stronghold and had been since 1960. So, mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, after the uh, election results, after the election shifted and it was clear that Purdue and Loeffler were going to lose, there was like uh, Purdue was up by like four points, and then there was this huge five point swing, and it went in the favor of Ossoff. And I was, you know, I saw it happen like boom, five percentage points. It didn't tick up, you know, point a percentage point here, here, here. It just was like all of a sudden we went from winning by four points to losing by like three and a half or something like that. And I videoed it and put it on Instagram, and I just went to bed. I mean, you already knew it was going to happen um, based off of what we saw. Um, on November 3rd, but here's my frustration and you can't do anything about the, the Georgia state law is Georgia state law. They have a, a stupid thing where, you know, if you don't get 50% as the incumbent, you have to go to a runoff, but I want to look at these stats because they're, I looked at, I just looked them up today and I don't understand it. To be frank with you, I don't know if conservatives just shit the bed or were so disenfranchised with what happened with the presidential election that they didn't show up. But on November 3rd, Purdue got, over 49% of the vote to Ossoff's uh, 47 point something percent. He won by two points. He won by over 100,000 votes, Chisholm. Here's the stats. 200, uh, let's see, 2,462,617 votes for Purdue on November 3rd. Ossoff had just uh, over uh, 2.3 million. So won by over 100,000. And right at 100,000. And then January 5th, Purdue drops down to 2. Point, basically 2 million. He lost 250,000 votes, man. While Ossoff actually lost uh 120,000. He dropped down to 2.25 million. So he won by 40,000 votes. Ossoff did. Where did those other 260,000 conservative votes go? I don't I don't I mean you're talking I, I just, about from from the from the November third election to yes, Tuesday's election. Yes, Purdue lost literally. Uh, I'm looking at the stats: fifty five thousand votes. No, two hundred and fifty two hundred and fifty five thousand votes. Two hundred fifty five thousand votes. He lost. That, 
did I understand you correct that they both lost votes, but one lost considerably more than the other? Yeah, Purdue lost 255,000. Oshoff lost 120,000. Which was, I mean, that was the difference in the election. Like, right. it was, I, I, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. It be, because you would think, like, wow, the, the Democrats are coming out strong. They, they, they didn't. They didn't. And the conservatives certainly had a very lackluster showing. I mean, they just didn't come out to vote. And I yeah. think that is disenfranchisement going back to people thinking the election was stolen and, and I'm watching people's comments on parlor that half of them. I was looking at conservatives from Georgia. Like I'm not even going to bother. It's fixed. So I don't know. I, I tell you what, man, you know, that's that guy, Lynn Wood, that attorney that was out doing rallies with, uh, the Kraken keeper, Sidney Powell, he actually told people not to vote in protest. I don't know how many of those people actually, uh, probably none of them did that because he said that. Um, it was definitely a bad look at the time. Um, dude, I didn't, yeah, I hadn't looked at that. That's... Uh, yeah, those are the stats. I just, I mean, I, I don't understand it and I, I won't understand it. Uh, I w you would have thought that. I don't know. Maybe it's just from an outsider, like being from Texas and looking at Georgia, being like, "Come on, Peach State, you got this." And then, man, I, I guess, I, I guess, I could, I guess, I, I don't know, dude. There, there's certainly a, a weird. That's a strange situation. It's, you know, it's an anomaly to be sure. Um, at the same time, both in 2016 and in this election, uh, people showed up in droves that had never voted in their lives like 50 and 60 year old people that had never been political that had never cared they voted to, they, they showed up to vote for trump uh, and probably many showed up to vote against trump right trump is so uh magnetic or repellent and you know depending on your position that he drove you know turnout uh to to record highs so I certainly could see people who were never, you know, he, he gets votes from people who aren't traditionally conservative either. Right. Yeah. He, get, he gets votes from people who are just mad uh, or, you know, whatever. Right. I, it's easy to just assume that that's evidence of fraud, but there's a, there is a reasonable explanation to that. And that is John, that, you know, Purdue and Loeffler are not loved uh, anything like, Trump is. Um, mm -hmm. They were the beneficiaries. That line of thinking would go. They were the beneficiaries of Trump love. And when Trump came off the ballot, those people didn't have any incentive. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't... I, I, that has to be what happened, right? I don't know any other way to look at it or analyze it other than people wanted to vote for Trump and they really just didn't give a crap about Purdue or or Loth or or... or I mean, well, based I mean, off the stats, Ossoff or uh, Warnock, either. War what is his name, Warnock? Yeah, Warnock, Warnock, yeah, Warnock, yeah. yeah. Because their, right. their I mean, stats the drop, too. Both directions, I mean, at least, I, I think at least kind of tips the scales for me more towards it's not necessarily fraud as much. Oh, as, and I'm not coming at you from a place of fraud. Right, right. Just, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I... I just again, I when when you when you when you point an anomaly out there like that, it certainly leaves all sorts of room for interpretation, right? Mm 
yeah. that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So that sucks. Um, <laughs> it does. Now we have uh, a lady that was so disliked by her own constituents that she didn't make it out of the uh, Iowa caucuses. Not and even to them. She didn't make it to them. She, she dropped before they even got there. And now she will be the deciding vote in the Senate. Right. So that's great. So I think you're teeing me up to take make it, my... <laughs> take it from here. My case for optimism. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Because I woke up on thir- what, on Wednesday and you're like, you could kind of gauge my level of despair and depression was it was spiraling. Um, you're like, you know, and you're sending me positive Bible verses and, and encouragement. And then I said, you know what? I'm, I'm depressed, but I'm also angry. And you're like, take that anger and channel that in a positive way and use that as your fuel instead of just sitting there pouring yourself another bourbon. Exactly. Right. Uh, <laughs> I say that to everybody who's angry uh, and who's going to get angrier because we know the left is coming with some nonsense. They've already started. We'll touch on what happened on Monday, I think here shortly, but Monday and Tuesday, but um, yeah, you know, so, you know, the Bible verse was, you know, did I not command you? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous for the Lord. Your God is with you always Joshua one nine. And I would, I would, I would uh, ask that everybody listening to this, uh, take that and, and guard your heart with it because that's, uh, that's right. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Um, at the same time, well, cause you know what happens if you're afraid or discouraged, you hide. And right now we don't need to hide. Um, we've hit, we've been hiding for too long. Right. As conservatives, um, we need to make our cases. We need to make our voices heard and we need to stand against, uh, you know, leftist, insanity uh, at every front and i think it's incumbent upon every you know red-blooded american to pay attention uh you know you don't have to engulf yourself or inundate yourself with politics and i'd I'd recommend that you don't because that's uh not healthy first of all and it's sinful second of all um you know fill your life with your family with god and your family and scripture um but don't 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 not pay attention because if you're not paying attention, that's when you'll look up and realize that you know the law in your state has changed to take away your parental rights. Uh, you know, such yeah, that apathy know, is no excuse. That's right. Apathy, as I said on a post that you put out earlier, leads to tyranny. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. Uh, that's exactly what happened in you know places where you know fascism and communism took hold uh, throughout the 20th century. And um, I think in large part, uh, apathy plus, you know, tremendous disinformation and miseducation has, uh, you know, gotten us to this point where some of this nonsense is, is, has really taken root. You know, where um, conservatives failed by and large, and we've talked about this and we don't need to dive into this uh, in depth here, but isn't it in the educational system and it's, it's, we let them take it and indoctrinate the youth from the university level all the way down to preschool. And I think we are seeing the consequences of that here in 2021. For sure. And I I don't know why that happened or how actually I do. Um, You mentioned it, but this, this, this sort of this cosmic spiritual battle of good and evil um, is real. And I think that um, kind of by default, academia lends itself to secular atheism 
And what happens with secular atheism is people have a void in their soul. And that's exactly what Satan uses to uh, uses, you know, as basically a breach to enter and, and do his work. And that's where we're at. So uh, people of God need to um, um, stand against it. But getting back to my case for optimism, I don't know what to do about the academic, the, the, the education system, man. It's, um, I'm not writing off anything as a lost cause, but, you know, think about where you're going to Well, that's your really, kids. you're really optimistic here, buddy. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know what to do. I'm not saying I know. nothing can be done. I know. What I was going to suggest was everybody be real careful with where you send your kids to college. But you know what? I, I do know what to do. Raise this next generation to think for them damn selves, to question what they're told by anybody, even a professor who's supposed to be an authority. That's what you got to do. And you got to teach them the word so that they have the armor they need on their heart to know when they're being lied to and deceived. Cause that's what that is. Anyway, back to my case for optimism beyond that, as I pointed out to you, yes, we now have a 50, 50 tie in the Senate. So the Democrats have the presidency. They have a majority, but a short shrinked, shrunken, shrunk, shrinked, lesser Whatever. majority in the house. And we have a tie in the Senate, which in theory, means that they hold the Senate because the Vice President Kamala Harris would be the uh, presumed tiebreaker. Um, but the thing is, every bill that comes before the Senate will not split 50-50 party line. And there are a couple, one in particular, senators from red states, strongly red states, libertarian red states, one case, a Western red state, um, places where gun rights, for example, are a given and, you know, cherished. Uh, those senators in general have A ratings with the uh, NRA. Um, the most important of them, in my opinion, and he has shown time and again his willingness to turn his back on his party's worst uh impulses would uh -huh. be uh west virginia democrat god why am i blanking on his name I'm joe this... munchen I thank think. you joe joe manchin thank you manchin yeah tester was in my head from montana but yeah joe manchin from west virginia um that man has uh combated aoc as recently as this december calling her i think an idiot if i recall correctly well he's not wrong <laughs> we know. Uh, and again, he has an A rating from the NRA. Um, at least he did as of like 2018. I, I saw where a couple, Tester in particular, got downgraded for like, you know, supporting the nominations of like Elena Kagan and uh, Sonia Sotomayor. And I understand that, but, you know, it's not like he's voting for taking away guns, mm -hmm. uh, even though they might like. It wasn't that long ago that Supreme Court justices were voted in 90 and they got nothing regardless of their party affiliation. Of course, back then, it wasn't very common for a president to put forth justices who would just assume light the Constitution on fire as follow it. So be that as it may, getting back to Manchin, um, his record is clear. In fact, uh, I think you probably saw in the article I sent you, he's done two ads now uh, in the last 10 years where he 
shoots stuff on his commercials. <laughs> yes, so, I loved it. You sent right. me the links to that. Although, yeah. right, one of them, he was shooting the Supreme Court case that challenged the Affordable Care Act. So do that, do with that as you will. Um, I don't mind, you know, I've always struggled with the healthcare thing. This uh, leftist I mentioned that I was, I've been debating online. You know, he points out he had a, a friend and, and coworker die because he couldn't afford his insulin. And that in America, that shouldn't happen. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I'm mm -hmm. shooting back at the same time. If you're a person who has abused your body for 40 years uh, with gluttonous abuse of alcohol, sugar, uh, you know, tobacco, you name it, uh, and, you know, spend all of your, all of your income or all your disposal income on sin and vice, uh, I shouldn't be held morally or economically responsible for your terrible decision-making. But mm -hmm. generally speaking, I'll agree that I don't think a person who's trying to do right should have to die because they can't afford their insulin, you know, as a, as a, as a starting point to that conversation. My point is they're the party of socialized medicine. That to me is not a road straight to Marxism necessarily. Um, it's a worthwhile conversation. It's a model that's employed in many other quote, you know, first world developed countries, some of which we're extraordinarily close to, like the Brits and the Canadians, uh, both in proximity and in, you know. Yeah, but on the same, on the same, um, in the same vein, I've heard many horror stories of their socialized sure. medicine not uh, being dude, adequate. Not so now I need a, a transplant and I can't freaking get it. So I'm not advocating. I die anyway. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not, I'm not advocating for it. Let me put it all another way. What's more important to you? Gun rights or Obamacare? Gun rights. There you go. And I think the vast majority of conservatives would agree. So it's a good what way. I'm to saying is there you go. What I'm saying is on the things that we cherish the most, the the current construction of and uh, you know function of the United States Senate, the Electoral College, the packing of the Supreme Court, gun rights. Uh, I need to look where he's at on like on on abortion, to be honest with you. Um, I don't believe that that I don't believe he's a late trimester abortion supporter, but I could be wrong. But I know that he stands firmly against this true Marxist crap uh, against woke ideology, et cetera. Right. Um, I can't imagine that man being a West Virginian supports, uh, you know, a West Virginian from a rural town, in fact, uh, supports, you know, this transitioning of 14 year olds without their parents consent and all this other stuff we've been talking about like, like the, I, yeah, the I think we need to get some uh, let's go joe uh, t-shirts made right we should <laughs> he's like or or uh, or, or, like our... or joe join us or something but yeah so, so 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 as i pointed out to you i think there's a there's a possibility it has happened before and not that long ago with joe lieberman that as his party continues to drop you know to to just slam the pedal to the metal in their leftward shift that he actually abandons them and joins the Republicans. Um, I think if he's going to do that, he's going to probably wait a bit until maybe some of the quote stink of Trump wears off a little bit and everything that's going on, which it will. We have after, very... after the cleansing. I ah, do probably by Monday. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know how our attention span is in this country now, just wait until something comes along to change the narrative and you know, we'll be moving on. But, um, Either way, he doesn't have to do that because he's always shown that on things that matter to West Virginians, 
he will break with his party lines towards a more traditional kind of conservative orthodoxy. So a politician that actually gives a shit about his constituents and, and the people that elected him. That's Damn good right. to see. Damn right. And, and as I pointed out to you, the only reason from what I can tell based on uh, what I've heard him say and the ways I've seen him vote on at least you know, the more public high profile stuff. The only reason he is, Oh yeah. He backed. Uh, I think he refused to back Kavanaugh, but he did back Gorsuch maybe. Huh. Anyway. Um, maybe I got that backwards, but whatever he, the only reason he's a Democrat, as far as I can tell is that West Virginia is longtime coal country. Uh, the coal industry is notorious for its labor unions, labor unions, and, and, and the, the working class folks who used to, you know, who make up labor unions were the historic, you know, uh, um, constituency of the Democratic Party. But that's not the case anymore, mm-hmm. or at least it hasn't been the case during the Trump era. You know, the, um, the little, unions still go ahead. I'm just going to say a little historical note, like the Democratic Party was the party of, of the unions and my grandfather was a plant manager at the same plant in Houston, Texas for 50. He worked there for 50 years and worked his way up to manager. Um, and I was talking to my dad like, oh, I don't know. This is probably 15 years ago. My grandfather had just passed away. And anyway, he got brought up. He's like, you know, your grandfather was a stout Democrat. And I was like, what the what? And then he explained the whole union thing to, you know, a 22 year old kid who didn't know his head from his ass when it comes to politics and uh it, it made sense but they've shifted so far away from that um hopefully not you know in west virginia and that's what we're talking about now but that's what that's what the party used to be yeah exactly and right and at least in this trump era what we've seen is the members that make up the union the actual working class laborers have finally realized that the left does not represent their actual values as people yeah um the unions still back the left uh, the democratic party in particular um but the people don't and i just don't see him adopting all of the woke nonsense um for sure the gun control conversation the things that i feel most passionate about i just don't see him uh supporting those things and um, like I said, I'd, I'll, I'll, I'll put a bet out right now of a hunting or fishing trip of your choosing that um, he formally jumps ship at some point in the next. I need to look at when he's up for re-election. Hold on. Talk while I Google. Yeah, I'm thinking about what hunting trip I want to go on. Um, Alaska brown bear sounds nice. That'll set you back about 22K Chisholm. We might have to put some additional parameters around that. Uh, how about a hunting or fishing trip of your choosing with inside, inside the state of Texas? But whether it's two or four, the bet will be that he formally joins the Republican Party um, before his next election. All right. Yeah. I'll take anyway. the bet. All right. For doing it for America. <laughs> right on. Yeah, 2018. Okay, so I got it. 2024. That before 2024, Joe Manchin is a Republican. That's when he's up for re-elect. All right, and we're betting a turkey hunt. Let's let's actually go outside of Texas because I'd like to shoot an eastern turkey. So okay, dude. Me- all right, all right. If it's a turkey hunt, that's a reasonable. You and I can do that on public land. We can do that fairly affordable. Done. Sounds good. 
I guess I'm on the hook for probably a hotel bill, some fuel, um, some tags, uh, and I'll even cover the food. Perfect. And the beer. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so that's, uh, that's our guy, man. Um, Again, I'm not sitting here claiming that the Democrats won't get anything they want done um, vis-a-vis the, the Harris tiebreaker. But I think that the things that I certainly hold most uh, dear, um, I have a feeling he does too. And a, a very strong feeling that his people do. And mm-hmm. that he's not going to want to commit you know, political suicide to um, go woke. Go woke, go broke. Let's go, Joe. Uh, all right. A couple other things. I actually only have one other thing to mention here uh, for today's show. And it's one that actually came out. Ooh, ooh, wait, wait, wait. Real, real quick. Uh-huh. Uh, since I have it up, Mansion identifies as pro-life. Wow. Yep. Okay. Dude, that right there means I don't even know how he's technically a Democrat. Like, how is he? How have they not kicked him out? <laughs> kind of like how did a pastor just yeah. win a Democratic senator seat? Uh, so the pastor supports mm, late-term right. abortion? C- kind of like that, but better in the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> don't get that. Um, okay, cool. That's a great little uh, side note there. One thing that you and I have had on the uh, list of things to talk about for a while, I uh, haven't gotten around to it, is, and this happened over Christmas, over the holidays, so that's probably why, but this piece um, that was published in... I'm looking at the Cato Institute, but this was, you know, it's been, it's been everywhere. Uh, but essentially, there is a Dr. Peter, I don't know how to say his last name, I'm going to butcher it, but Silagi. And they were interviewing this guy and he said, as far as vaccinations are concerned, they clearly favor, that, that clearly essential workers need to be favored over elderly white people. This is paraphrasing it. I mean, it's two paragraphs long, but he goes into all these details about how um, there's too many, basically too many older white people and the essential workers are by and large make up, you know, the higher percentage of them are minorities. And so therefore they need to be vaccinated before elderly white people. While the science says elderly people are the first ones that are going to die. My mom was just in the hospital for over three weeks, almost died. Luckily she's home. Um, but she's 66 and that's not even on the, that's on the low end of people that are at high risk, but he's talking about, you know, who cares about these 85 year olds? They don't deserve vaccinations. Let's get these other people vaccinated first. Let the elderly die is the message, especially let the elderly white people die. And it's just like, it's it's another example of pure evil it's just hey there's too many there's too many old white people let them die i I don't know what your thoughts on that but i don't see how you can interpret it as any other way of let's vaccinate people that are low risk first and you know screw the old people they've had their they've had their run i bet you a lot of those 85 year olds don't want to die yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure they're, most of them don't. Uh, my thoughts are that sounds like um, that that sounds like Karl Marx. That sounds like Marxism to a T. I've we've said many times that um, Marxism is not about lifting everybody up; it's about bringing everybody down. And that particular um, psycho leftist—he's uh, a doctor, right? Yes. Yeah, painted 
the picture perfectly for us. Um, Actually, he told the New York Times that. That's in this this. That's why it's been so widespread. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, I've I've read the article. Yeah, yeah, and we'll include it. It. Yeah. I mean, he he said it. He said that you know most older people are white, and we need to level the playing field by getting the vaccine to younger non-white people. Um, I mean, I guess he might argue right the ones who are you know because they're they're for various reasons tends to be you know there's evidence that that some minorities in this country are you know at younger ages suffering much more dramatic effects still i don't this is hell i guess getting back to what you what we were talking about with healthcare in general pretty good example of what happens when the government starts screwing around with healthcare is you start having to pick and choose uh who win who loses and who dies and you know if you listen to shapiro he always talks about that's what happens when the government intervenes in anything is the government starts picking winners and losers when they in you know they interrupt in markets when they interrupt in anything man um it's it's grotesque and you know it's one of those things that i think gets floated out there and the hate that it gets is so vehement that suddenly it just kind of poof, disappears into the ether but here's a here's a quote i want to read this this one line uh, from this Dr. Silla G. Society is structured in a way that enables older white people to live longer. Instead of giving additional health benefits to those who already had more of them, we can start to level the playing field a bit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, you know, the funny thing Good is, Lord. The funny thing is, um, the minorities that he's talking about, in particular Black Americans, they don't want it, dude um black americans are so distrusting of the medical profession of you know of a, of a real history of of things being tried on them see the tuskegee airmen and lots more examples mm. you know i'm listening to mo facts he's like dude i don't know anybody even his mother who's uh older and i think he has admitted she's got her own health con- you know health is- issues she's a pastor she's you know, lifelong Democrat. She's like, no way in hell. And that's, yeah, I, <laughs> I, you know, I guess my point is like, he, he's barking up the wrong tree and there's some of there, I guarantee there are some folks in minority communities who, you know, hear him saying that. And they're like, how about you give it to the old white folks first and see what happens. And then we'll come, <laughs> we, we, can, <laughs> we, we can keep wearing masks and social distancing until we know what the hell's going on with this thing. Yeah. Well, and since I've had it and am, you know, recovered, my science says, why would a conservative believe science, right? Because we're not the party of science. But science says uh, that I my antibody should be good for three months, maybe six months. So I damn sure I'm not getting any vaccine that I don't need. I'm going to let all of you guys be the guinea pigs and y'all can tell me how it works out for you. Yeah, well, and it also didn't kill you the first time and it didn't even make you all that sick. So what do you got to be afraid of? Mm. and i have asthma which we've talked about before i was deathly afraid of getting it two of my kids have asthma uh and i was sick for 36 48 hours maybe what do you think about the calls demanding that children be vaccinated even though they're basically completely if not immune from it certainly safe from it (laughs) and it hasn't been tested on children yet well let me tell you this uh i got it my wife got it we were all quarantined up in this bitch for 20 days because because she tested positive five days after i did meaning the kids quarantine started over like okay now they can't go back to school for 14 more days 
because she was later than me, uh, not one of them got COVID that we know of. They all got tested, not with the, with the rapid test. They got the thorough deal. They didn't have it. They never had symptoms. And, the, the, you know, their behavior, nothing changed other than they couldn't go to school and they were a little bit miserable. They couldn't see their friends and stuff. Uh, but, no, my kids will not be getting any freaking vaccine that they don't need. That's because right. I, for four days, I was quarantined by myself. Like, I saw them when I would walk from my office to my bedroom. My wife moved upstairs, slept in the extra bedroom. And, like, two the girls, I know at least one of them, like, three or four nights got in bed with her when she should have been, you know, infected. Right. And she didn't know it yet. She had actually had a false... Uh, a false negative on the rapid test. Hmm. And so we thought she was fine. And then, so she was still hanging out with the kids and then, you know, she two days later went and got the other test or no, her results came back. I think maybe she got them at the same time. Uh, and that other test takes two days to get your results. And then she's positive and she's been hanging out with them. Never, not one of them got it. And you know, so that tells you all you need to know about kids. Did Aaron have symptoms? Like, did she actually get, symptoms? she had like, I did man. Like, yeah. Okay. But she got yeah, it, it's not yeah. it wasn't one of these uh you know, asymptomatic mythical, mythical things. No, she had, asymptomatic, yeah. Yeah, but oh but she so she had the symptoms, got the uh rapid test and it was negative, going back to the false negative. Oh wow, so she had a false negative even with symptoms. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then she was like, I guess I just have a sore throat. I was like, Come on, babe. I have it. Yeah. We had sex like the day before <laughs> I started feeling bad. I was like, You're gonna get it if you and you're having symptoms. I was like let's call a spade a spade and maybe you can move back into the bedroom with me. And she's like, Nope, not doing it. So yeah, she quarantined my ass hardcore until she got that, uh, until she actually got the positive test. And then you were one big happy COVID family again. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I'll, I'll make sure to clarify here. Our kids have had all the shots that are recommended, uh, on time when they were recommended, we are not anti-vaxxers. Uh, I'm not unsympathetic to those who believe that it causes the stuff like potentially autism issues. Don't know. Uh, I know those people are quite passionate about it, but, uh, you know, we, we did what, what we were, you know, what was encouraged. Um, vaccines but, are know, great. Chisholm. Let's just get that out there. They are, cured right. The world we, of polio. Not, we are you got chicken pox as a kid. I got chicken pox as a kid. Our kids never got chicken pox and they won't yeah. for that reason. That's right. We, but these but, vaccines but haven't been tested. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like, they're, they're, well, there's two major differences, right? You're right. Yeah. This vaccine is less than a year old. These they're they're all the same. I don't know how many people realize that, dude. But this mRNA thing, this huh. was developed by a company in Germany, and it's being basically like licensed to Moderna, Pfizer, etc. And what they came up with was basically like the carrier uh, technology, how the shot would be uh, delivered ultimately, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, but the actual technology of the vaccine itself is all the same. Um, the technology itself, this mRNA editing, is not brand new. Uh, I'll have to do some research and include it in the notes, but it's, 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 a, it's several years old. And it's this technology that can apparently, they can just with a little tweak here and a little tweak there, fight everything from cancer to obviously COVID-19 with it. Um, but the point is, it is new relatively untested technology certainly brand new as applied to this virus yeah. um versus the other vaccines that our kids have gotten have you know most of which have been out for decades most of when all of which went through the long grueling testing process that required by the cdc for approval versus this fast track process all of them were tested 
you know, ha- had been tested and then ultimately delivered to kids for, you know, decades uh, before our kids came of age where they needed them. Um, and they're all, they were all traditional vaccines where you're inoculated with this, you know, small and, and, and uh, what, like, incomplete or however it works uh kind of almost like dead version of the virus for your body Mm -hmm. to then build antibodies to it versus this thing which is changing your rna um which is why dude in the state of ohio i heard this yesterday 60 percent of healthcare workers in the state of ohio won't take it and they're having similar issues out in california i don't know if it's 60 but i want to say it was close to half of Dude, I'll be honest with you. That's very surprising from the sheeple in California. Right. Well, I mean, I agree completely. But they usually just do what they're told. Right. But what does it tell you when healthcare workers are refusing all yeah. over the place? The people who you know, are dealing with sick patients are like, nope, I'm good. I'm going to see how this thing rolls. Aaron told me in just seeing how, you know, working in the medical profession, like her biggest concern with how this uh, virus, uh, this uh, vaccine is being administrated is that one of the two, I can't remember if it's the Pfizer or Moderna has to stay frozen and you right. ha- and you can only, it can, it's only good within like four hours of being defrosted and then right. it loses its vitality. It's it becomes a dead virus. It's no longer going to work. Well, she's, there's already been a lot of reports of, of hospitals and, and, um, clinics mishandling it. And then they'll put out a PSA, come get your, you know, we have the vaccine, come get it. Well, basically that means we accidentally, defrosted too many of these things and you got to get them now so her thought is like a lot of people are going to be inoculated with with this virus that sat out i mean with this vaccine that sat out for too long they're going to think that they're immune and then they're going to get covid yeah so i mean that's a very real that's a very real thought i I guess among the medical field as well yeah I, uh, I want to recant every justification i've offered so far as to why i'm not taking it here's Here's my official position. Mm-hmm. I know that as a 39 year old white man, there are plenty of other much more, uh, you know, at risk people, particularly uh, minorities, uh, frontline workers, and the elderly who uh, need this virus first. So I'm going to defer vaccine. I kept calling it a virus as well, but yeah, <laughs> vaccine. Sorry, yeah, vaccine. Uh, I'm going to defer um and, and make sure that everybody who's you know more vulnerable than me gets it first that's that's my that's my official position <laughs> i will get it if they say cable you can't come hunt in africa without the vaccine that's when i'll get it i tell you what man ashley and i have talked about that because that's a real thing um not necessarily hunting in africa but the idea that our uh you know liberty uh, could be impaired if we uh, don't take it. There are uh, many tech companies working on things called freedom passes and other, you know, cutesy names for the mark of the beast. Show, exactly. Show <laughs> us that you've uh, complied and uh, give us your health records uh, automatically. Yeah. Um, you know, that are that, you know, I, I, don't, I think we may have touched on it, but back in probably November or December, December, I think, because it was after it had come out. Uh, Ticketmaster floated out there the notion that you wouldn't be able to get into an indoor ticket, an indoor uh, concert or event that they sell tickets for without proof of the vaccine. Um, <laughs> the deluge of hate they got caused them to walk that back within 24 hours. Uh, but it's been floated out there. There are definitely state uh, governments in the United States and you know national governments across the world 
that are starting to say that, you know, to come in to their country, you'll have to either, you know, quarantine uh, or have the you know proof that you've had the, uh, the vaccine. Um, Ashley and I have talked about it and she's strongly and adamantly of the opinion. Okay. So we just don't have to go to those places. Uh, we no. don't go to concerts anyway. I don't have any designs currently on going to California. Um, and what about this though? You travel a lot on airplanes. What if I don't you... travel anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't traveled in uh, well over a year. So, you know, my, my role changed last March and it definitely requires much less travel than what I used to do. Yeah. Um, I could do my job without going anywhere. Okay. Um, I do think but if you had to, because there are millions of Americans that, that jump on a plane once or twice a week, like those people are, they're not going to just give up their jobs. They're going to have to get the vaccine, even if they don't, they don't want to. No, I hear you. And, and I think that there's a reckoning coming there. Uh, there's, there's clearly a reckoning coming there. And I think that's going to be one of the great issues slash debates of uh, 2021, uh, which side note, anybody who thinks that life's getting back to normal in 2021, you've probably already figured out that ain't happening. It uh, took five days. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, dude, it, took, it, it took three or four. The New Year's hangover was good for about like two days. And it was like, right. oh, shit, back to reality. I'll say this, and then there's one thing I want to try to squeeze in. I know you got to go. Um, nobody's going to make me take this in the next five years, period, end of story, for no reason. If I can't travel, so be it. Um, if my company tries to fire me for it, they, they won't. That's not going to happen. It's not an issue. Um, I, like I said, if one thing, if 2020 taught us one thing is that working remotely and, and it's a, a lot of jobs in America is, is possible, it's possible for me. Um, and the reality is like my headquarters are here in Texas. Texas ain't going to require that. Certainly not for travel internally. Mm. Um, so uh, it, I'm just not doing it. And uh, I'll stand by that. And I know my wife's going to stand by that. Um, another reason for, for optimism. Um, we, we saw the, the, the largest turnout uh, in 50 something years for the Republicans from uh, the black community, particularly black men uh, who were at like 17 or 18%, you know, a six-fold increase from the record that, that Trump uh, accumulated just four years ago. Um, and, you know, like gigantic numbers from the Hispanic slash Latino Latina community, um, particularly here in Texas, where certain, you know, areas of the border, he got 94%. And those are those are counties that are ninety eight percent Hispanic. But wait, um, he's a he's a racist. He wants to build a wall. I know it's weird, right? But I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess all those people, you know, they just they didn't hear, um, you know, they didn't hear good people on both sides, or somehow that that, that news escaped them. I guess. Mm. <laughs> but um, the reason there are reasons, several reasons for it. But you know, with with the uh, African American males in particular, I think one of the main reasons. Uh, and again, I get a lot of this from listening to Mo, but also from talking to friends of mine from that community, this transgender craze that we've talked about is something they're not down with. Um, not that they're transphobic, but, you know, people telling them what they're going to do with their kids and what's right for their kids is something that they're not down with. Um, as we've talked about, they uh, tend to be Christian uh, family men and, you know, they're adamant that 
they've got old school values in a lot of ways, right? And 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 this obsession with this issue, man. I I, I we harp on it, and sometimes I, I I know people wonder why do y'all talk about this transgender thing so much? It's not who who even cares? Because as we've detailed, laws are being passed and rights of parents are being violated on this issue. It is a major issue, and it it attacks. There's an article from Abigail Schreier that I'll include, which I think I forwarded to you where she points out that even just the language manipulation is uh, designed deliberately to undermine the fabric of a society uh, and the family structure of a society. It is toxic. It is ridiculous. It is anti-reality and anti-human to dismiss the real differences in sex-based gender, not to dismiss the idea that transgenderism is also a real thing. Uh, anyway, they're not down with that. Neither is the Latin community, Latino, Hispanic community. What uh, Congress sure is this past week. Exactly, dude. What do they, uh, they said no more saying father, mother, brother, dude. sister. Uh, yeah. And they and ended the opening like, why did they even, why did they even have a prayer if they were going to at the end of it say amen and a woman to end the exactly. prayer? You know what where the I was going. frick was that? The fact that the right is so self-righteous and believes that what they saw on November the left. 3rd. Sorry, the left. Thank you. Come on, left. dude. Ah, dude, I'm I'm getting it. Yeah, I went back to work this week, so I'm, I'm yeah. a little brain. I'm a little tired. Uh, right, the left is so self righteous. They don't take. Dude, there was a there was an all hands on deck conference call among the entire Democratic caucus like two days after the election, and there were Democratic Congress people from states like Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, some of these purple at best states or more red states where Democrats won, and these people were begging, "We've got to drop these woke." things we've got to drop democratic socialism it can never come out of our mouths again these things are destroying us i almost i'm gonna lose if we keep this crap up my constituents have told me that right they only mm. voted because they can't stand trump but if we keep this up we're gonna lose them and they're not listening to it and monday and tuesday were perfect examples they are going to cram this stuff as hard as they can on monday like you said they have proposed outlawing in the house of representatives the words mother, father, sister, brother, son, daughter, aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, and replacing them with words like siblings, child. If there's a better example Parent. in modern society, right, of Orwellian newspeak, show me, because I, I, I haven't seen it yet. And um, yeah, and then like we've talked about this Latinx concept. They hate that so much in the Latin slash Mexican-American slash Venezuelan, you know, what... Hispanic mm -hmm. community, whatever, wherever they come from, it's a attack on the very, on, on the structure of their language as bigoted. And what's more associated with a culture than a language? They hate it. Um, also, all people of more conservative lifestyle values, if not politics, and let them keep it up, man. Uh, my only hope is that whoever runs in four years um, continues to fight the culture war, and I think they will but does it in a way that sounds more like Ronald Reagan and less like Donald Trump. And yeah. I think we'll, uh, we'll be in good shape. And, and I think that if they keep it up in two years, we'll see a red wave in Congress that'll neuter Kamala. So. Well, let's go Joe and his, uh, his buddies. So yeah, there's a long list of things here on under bipartisanship on his Wikipedia page. Uh, he's got a hundred percent score from, the national right to life versus a 57% score from the uh, Planned Parenthood people. It's and crazy, dude. We got, we got to wrap this up, but it's crazy yeah. that, that maybe the fate 
of this country lies in the hands of one uh, West Virginia senator. The short-term uh, fate of this country absolutely ha- lies in the hands of Joe Manchin right now, dude. Yeah, yeah. No well, way. we love Joe. Don't let us down, Joe. I want to I wanna be the one paying for that turkey hunt. Um, all right. You guys, thanks for being here. Uh, we'll, do a, uh, we'll do another one next week. And who knows? Maybe we'll do two next week. Uh, but thank you for being a part of episode 17 of Justified Pursuit. For Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. We'll see you guys next time. Be strong and courageous. Hey, Joe, I got one more question. Oh